Bookings for India Sourcing Trip April 2020 are now open. India Sourcing Trip is a unique and first of its kind learning, sourcing and cultural guided tour to a leading export fair in Delhi. India Sourcing Trip is designed to provide Amazon and e-commerce sellers with the information, knowledge, connections and products you need to build a profitable e-commerce business sourcing from India. You will find unique and high quality products at the Delhi Fair that will enable you to boost profits and accelerate your business. Head over to indiasourcingtrip.com to learn more about the trip and sign up before January 31st to save $500. I look forward to seeing you in Delhi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host Meghla Bhardwaj and today I've got a very special guest with me. I have Danny McMillan from Seller Sessions. Hey Danny, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me over here. So we're at Global Sources Summit in Hong Kong. That's correct. We finished day two. You gave a great speech today. And uh, we were talking yesterday, last night, after the summit, and uh, you know, you shared your story with a couple of us, and I thought that was so inspirational. And uh, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and I've I've known a bit of your story, and I've been inspired by you a lot. So thank you. I thought it'd be nice, um, you know, for us to share your story with um, all of my audience, and hopefully, some people will be inspired by, you. you know, what you have achieved so far. So, Danny, tell us, um, you know, your, your story that like you were in the music industry, right, way yeah. back when. So start yeah. there. So I started in the music industry in the mid-90s when you could sell vinyl and we'd go, you know, we'd rack CDs and vinyl in our price and Virgin Megastore uh, in Oxford Street and you'd go to each town and there'd be a vinyl record store. Um, so I was in more into, like, the dancing music end of things. So I had a, a show on Kiss 100. I was very lucky to travel the world as a DJ and uh, I made quite a few records. I've lost count, but I've got a lot of production credits as well because I was engineering and mixing and stuff as well. Uh, so I probably put out about one artist album, six mix CDs, dozens of um, singles, like 12 inch singles, and then done a lot of production work where I worked behind the scenes on other people's records. And um, so, yeah, that's, that, I think that spanned about a 17 year period, you know? But, um, by 2001, 2002, the internet started to eat the music industry and there's been a big change. I mean, it's making that transition now, but there was a lot of resistance back then. Um, so you could go from selling on vinyl, then suddenly with everyone back then using LimeWire, your vinyl sales disappeared overnight, you know? So, um, so what they say is you can't beat them and join them. So by 2008, I, I came online and I met with uh, an investor from the Gold District, really nice guy. And he said to me, why don't we start, start an online community? And I'm like, what the hell do I know about online? Because at that point, I had no yeah. experience. And he said, don't worry, and you will learn. And then we burnt through half a million pound about, in about two years or so. Wow. So that was a massive baptism of fire uh, for me. But it was the start of the darkest area of my life, you know. So we, we shut the business down. Uh, on the 30th of August, which is a bittersweet moment because I moved into my new home, my, our new family home on the 30th of August this year. So it was on its ninth, nine year anniversary. Um, but basically what happened, we shut the business down. And when you fail heavily like that publicly, you know, because I was in the music industry, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite embarrassing as well. So you end up being a bit toxic in terms of being be able to get employed and stuff. 
So that was a rough run. And then uh, in the November, my son was born asleep and we had a similar thing with my daughter, Soraya, the following year in July. And then we, um, we nearly went personally bankrupt and managed to remortgage the house. But we went on this kind of run for a couple of years where I believe in energies like ebbs and flows, it goes up and down. Right. And I don't think you really, it's a very humbling experience. And I think you, once you've hit rock bottom, the only way's up. And that's why I think I'm quite a, an optimistic person. Because yeah. the way I see stuff is that nothing could be more horrific than burying two of your children. Um, and so the way everything now, I just look on the bright side of life. So what can you do? I, I got stripped of everything. Yeah. And I said, it's a humbling experience. And I think that that instills like character. It makes or breaks you as a person, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my story up to that point. And then I worked to another company where I wasn't happy. I felt leveraged, you know, like when you're in a position where you feel compromised, you know? I'm working at a company and I'm like, I can't do this, this isn't me as a human being. So it was, uh, I think it was May 2013, I walked out, I literally completely walked out the, the business that I was working for. They had investors and stuff like that. And I went home and sat on my bed and uh, I just pulled out my laptop and started making websites. And I had never, I barely had the shirt on my back, I had no money and I just had to make this work. And this was 2015? 2013. 13, okay. Yeah, so I did have a side project that we built, which is a construction business, which was built off the back of PPC. And so we had that, and um, so that was smaller revenue, but we built that out to a six-figure business. But at the time, it was, you know, you were relying on money coming in, and with the stress and strains of losing the children and everything else, you still have to get out there and work and, and stuff like that. And so I call it the darkest hour just before dawn. It's when that time when you need to um, pay the bills and you don't know when they're coming from, but you find a way. Yeah. And I think it's not until you truly got your back against the wall and there isn't an option because me walking out of that job was basically saying, I'm done, I can't go back. There isn't, there's no way back. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have been very much in a way of employable either. So at 100%, it was, all, it, was, it was all or nothing. Does that make sense? Um, and then obviously over, over a few years, you end up living very astutely, like with your finances and stuff. Because mm -hmm. I think the biggest problem when people leave their jobs, they, can't, they don't want to take the haircut. They want to keep yeah. up with the Joneses, right? So they want to still have that nice car and they want to have two or three holidays a year and they want to go out for meals and stuff. When you build a business or start a business, all that stops because the money's not there to do it. And then it puts them in, uh, a stress on your relationships and then it kind of gets a bit easier and uh, you move through times and you try different things so I've tried multiple businesses and it wasn't until I found Amazon in 2015. How did you find Amazon? Well basically what happened is I wanted to reverse engineer marketplaces so I was taking a look at what was going on with eBay so I picked up some bits and pieces around the house went into the garden, took some photographs, that kind of thing. And then I walked to the end of the road and realized the post office is shut, right? Because it doesn't have FBA, it's yeah. not fulfilled by, you know, it's not a fulfillment. Yeah. I, mean, I know that they're, they're, they're doing this soon or they're doing it now and they're trialing it. But back then there wasn't any form of fulfillment. And I don't drive, I never learned to drive. Uh, because of being in the music industry, sitting in studios, being in clubs or working from home or commuting to London, it just didn't make sense for me to have a car, my wife drives. Yeah. 
So I weren't going to get on the bus every day to take parcels down to the <laughs> post office, you know. That wouldn't have been a good uh, use of my time and, and kind of blow Pareto's law out the window, wouldn't it? That would be very difficult to scale. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so funny enough, I came back. This was March 31st, 2015. I went back on the eBay forum and then I see Amazon FBA. And then the light bulb come on. I was like, wow. This is it, you know, like the, because you've got. I think in life you've got to find your thing. Yeah. I've been very lucky where I've done the music industry, I then done tech, and then I've done commerce in the sense like Amazon, and I've I've been I've managed to do stuff that I love and I'm passionate about. Most people don't get to do one job they enjoy. One most people don't get to find the thing, their thing, and I found my thing three times. So I'm exceptionally lucky, but you do have to search for it. So anyone listening to this, go and find your thing and do not rest until you get there because life's too short. And every day that goes past, is just eating away at time. And time is something you can't take back. So only do anything that creates memories and that makes you happy. Money can come as a byproduct by doing well at something that you love to do. Does it make sense? So what, what drove you? I mean, what was your you know, inspiration during all of the times when you were you know, down and almost broke and you know, bankrupt? What really drove you? I just, I suppose, uh, even since a kid, I've um, we come, you know, I love my family, but we, we're from the East End. We, 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 didn't, you know, we didn't have much. And some of that is down to mindset. I don't normally buy into, you know, there's that kind of... Um, cult style thing in our industry sometimes when people talk about mindset they they manipulate mindset and but there is this mindset that's instilled in us like i give an example in our family where we wasn't you know we didn't have very much money the perception was is that rich people are evil and it wasn't until i read uh, rich dad poor dad that there's one line in there and it said money amplifies who you are so if you're an arsehole, yeah. then you're going to be even worse. But if you're a good person, you can do good with that. And that is when the light came on. Wow. That changed everything for me. That was 2011. Okay. And so now I just try and do everything I possibly can to do something that has meaning behind it. And I'm a big believer of if you make meaning, you'll make money. And it'll take you longer to get there, but I've, I've got time on my side, you know? As long as you can enjoy the journey. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than chasing money and being miserable because what can you do to get up that what gets you out of bed in the morning when you've had a rough day when you've had clients not happy with you or you've had problems in your business and you need to get money and you want to put the cover back over your head but if you enjoy what you do you can get out of bed if you enjoy what you do you have the opportunity to excel does that make sense True. yeah so it comes back to finding your thing and so you have to go off and experiment and get frustrated and that's why there were gaps in my life you know from the music industry to the tech industry from the tech industry to amazon there's these years in between that i kind of grazed over because we're having a, a, com- a conversation but you try all these different things and they sim- they either don't fit you you don't feel them or they're not just suitable as ideas for businesses and stuff like that um, so it can take time and as i said not everyone finds their thing but you have to search for it yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, um, you know, I did this India sourcing trip last week. I've been working on it for eight months, mm. and I feel that's my thing. Um, you know, or some are close to it. I really yeah. like working with people and uh, you know helping people. And I was good at organizing the trip and everything. People were pretty happy, and it doesn't feel like work. 
Mm. You know, like working for Global Sources for so many years, it's work and you wait for the weekend and Saturday, Sunday is when you relax and don't don't work. But, you know, with my own business and with this sourcing trip, I've been working weekends. I've been working until, you know, 10 p.m. at night, but it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So I think that's that's when you know and that the level you found your thing. Yeah, and the level of motivation you get and the, yeah. hours, the extra hours you work. If yeah. you don't enjoy something, you stare at the clock, right? Right. But imagine, like, I always say to people, it's like, when you get up and if you can do something that doesn't feel like a job, you've made it. Yeah. Don't matter how much money you've made, True. if you can do something that doesn't feel like work and it isn't work, then great. That yeah. is, that's, that's the holy grail in life. I think people think that they need a certain amount of money to make them happy. Money will never, ever, ever make you happy. Yeah. You can always have money be very miserable, you know? Um, I think Elton John or someone made a joke of it. It's like money helps you when you're depressed because you can yeah. go shopping. Yeah. But 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 generally, it, it's not something that I suppose it becomes an enabler. But if you're not happy within, if you've got issues that you need to deal with, and you know, and you're unhappy in your relationship and stuff, money you can't throw money at it fix you. You have to fix yourself first. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you and I have you know this in common. I lost my husband as well, and yeah. you know, you've lost your kids, but. I think that is such a life-changing experience and after something like that you realize that you, you really prioritize you know what's important money yeah. doesn't seem important because you're gonna leave everything over here right I mean you're not gonna take anything with you once once you mm. once you die <laughs> basically yeah. but that just um, I think struck me when I lost my husband and it just changes your perspective of what's important and suddenly you know, helping people gave me so much joy, started giving me joy after that, for some reason, um, you know, just um, like I started sponsoring children's education in, in India, and even on the sourcing trip, you know, we went to the school that was, uh, it's basically a non-profit organization, they run a school for poor kids, we've sponsored some kids there, so now I feel that, you know, all of, all of that is more meaningful than you know going to disneyland or you know mm. things like that I, I don't know if that makes sense Does, I, yeah. no it makes total sense yeah because yeah, it's giving you meaning and purpose in what you do yeah exactly. You know, if you've got if you haven't got purpose in life what do you have you know yeah, absolutely um, i also like that you really help the community so much i think uh, you know that's one of the reasons everyone respects you a lot um you know you've been so helpful to me <laughs> yeah. when i had technical issues or any other issues you know you've, you've been available so yeah thanks a lot for that so, um, you know, what else is happening with you? What, what's new? What's new? Well, at the moment, um, we've got another, I'm not, not sure when it gets published, but we've got Cellapol, so end of year one of Cellapol, so uh, yeah. that ends on November 5th, and I announced the winners on November 6th. The goal behind that is because of the scammers that we have in the industry. We have a safe haven, so it's, uh, it's, it's voted via, uh, by, the, um, by the sellers of the community and the uh, service providers etc and i just wanted to build a trusted resource that's mm -hmm. independent like we the pod, our podcast can't win best podcast and stuff like that so it's yeah. completely independent now uh, i've got a great sponsor in ping pong they put up the money i've used all of that money to invest into this um and yeah we built a, a platform like a voting platform so it's more sophisticated to get rid of spammy votes and stuff mm -hmm. like that but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes and hopefully that does help the community in, in, in some way. I've got, um, still got like obviously podcasts, set of sessions, that's continuous on. Yeah. We have the yearly events there, uh, the conferences, which is based in the UK. On the road speaking, and then I've got my Amazon business and then we've got uh, Data Brill, which is the agency. 
which is my partner is a guy called Dr. Ellis Whitehead. He uh, also does a lot of algorithm work for Jungle Scout. Um, so we work with six, seven and eight figure sellers on that side. So we've got three businesses and I'm lucky enough to, to work from my home in the village where I, where I now live and I can walk the dogs and still, you know, I still work seven days a week. Yeah. I've got like an A-type personality that yeah. don't stop. But, Tell us about the view. Oh, <laughs> so basically, you know, when people, this comes down to the, the whole thing about money and that. Yeah. When I, I see this house, I fell in love with the view, whereas my wife, my daughter bought a house. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I can just open my door and see farmland from my office, from the bedroom, and from the back of the house. And for someone who's, you know, spent many years on various different council estates looking at grey buildings, it's, it's something phenomenal for me. And what I've found is because of like I have issues with my health that I battle with, and when working all the time, with craziness going on around you, your surroundings is crazy, it's like I needed a lifestyle change. So what I've got now, I've got this serene thing around me but I, I run at 100 mile an hour still working. But what it does, it offsets the balance, you know, because yeah. I can then, it, it helps chill me out a lot further in the evening. If I lived in Tokyo or London, <laughs> I'd die of an heart attack by now because everything's 100 mile an hour. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, that's the meaning for me behind it. Move to a little village, slows the pace of life around me that forces me to slow down. Mm. But um, because I love what I do, I'm, I'm, I'm always at it every day, you know. So a lot of our listeners are actually new Amazon sellers. Yeah. They're budding Amazon sellers in Singapore, you know, Thailand, Indonesia. What advice do you have for someone who wants to start selling on Amazon or wants to start doing e-commerce now? I definitely start with baby steps. If you can, if you like, it's two types of people. If you've got money where you can say I can set fire to that money to there, then that's an investment. Then that's fine. Don't use your life savings. Okay. It's cost more money to spend on Amazon now to. To rank products and and have a higher quality product because of the competition so there's two sides so if you've got some money in the bank only use what you can afford to lose and and make sure you've got enough to reorder stock or at least the second product if you can uh, if you get the opportunity to work for other Amazon businesses as a consultant or you know as a contractor go in and learn the ropes and then when it comes to spending your own money that's fine um, so definitely, yeah, there's still great opportunity on Amazon. It's no longer 2015, so we have to be realistic about things. Um, but it, like any business, don't put your life savings, don't go all in. Make sure you've got some money held back. But go and get your education, go and listen to some podcasts, go and watch some YouTube channels and stuff like that. And take your time. There's no rush. Do it right the first time, though. Yeah. I think where people really get stuck a lot, you know, in my Facebook group, I ask people what is their biggest challenge when they join the, the group, and 80% of people say finding a product. Yeah. So what advice do you have for product validation? Product validation, that's an interesting one. Um, the problem you've got, we've got all these wonderful tools out there, so everyone fishes from the same pond. Yeah. And what you've got to try and do is find products that doesn't sit in that pond, mm. which is hard to do, right? Exactly. So if some of them have got databases where they're sucking in a, um, a lot of data from Amazon, they won't necessarily have all of the web store, but they'll have a massive chunk of it. Mm. You, you don't want to really be looking at sourcing those products there. Um, this whole thing about being small fits in a shoebox, it attracts people with lower budgets. And what happens is you think, oh, okay, it's just $1.20 and I sell it for 20, but then if you're spending 15 bucks on advertising, 
because you're in supplements or whatever it is, it becomes like a bit of a dogfight. So, biggest thing I would say is a point of, uh, of differentiation. And I always say to people, if you're just starting out, if possible, and it's not always possible, see if you can go local. Like for instance, I, I still saw, I've still got one product I still source from China, but I also source from the UK. And, I, and it's very tough to find the supply. It took six months to get there and lots of frustration. But I'm able to agree terms with them with 30 days net and get paid every two weeks by Amazon. Therefore, I use my supply chain to fund part of the business, not outside of the advertising, right? right. So if you've got the opportunity, you're in the US or in Singapore, go and find those points of differentiation. The biggest thing I would say is, if you're gonna to go to China, that's fine, yeah. but don't go and do iPhone cases, because some <laughs> of the greatest, smartest hackers and, and um, sellers are here. The brightest, some of the brightest minds live here, and their dads and mums and cousins and brothers and sisters own the factory, and there's always gonna get a better price than you. Right. So be careful with slabs of plastic that can be sold by, you know, a factory in China because you're probably going to lose there. So try and find stuff that is differentiated, you know. Um, go into find gated categories, mm -hmm. like you know, like your sourcing chip, you know. Yeah. If you go to India, there's going to be certain products that are going to be unique that are not going to be relevant for Chinese sellers or right. they don't want the barrier to entry to deal with because you know, like when there's a problem, there's certification. Now, I'll give an example. Um, I wouldn't encourage people to do this, but like the eclipse glasses that Brock Johnson mm -hmm. done, the reason he won is because he went through the pain to do to do all the uh, legislation and the paperwork. Right. Go and find something that's really troublesome that no one wants to touch in a gated category. Yeah. Then you've got a better chance of reducing your competition around you. There's also the opportunity if you do have a budget, is sell a higher price item because the chances are your PPC is going to be lower as well. Right. You sell less units per day as, as you demand. But you know, you could sell five, 10 units a day, make 10, 15 bucks per unit, but sell some at a retail price, 60, 70, $80. And then you move away from that 10 to 20, 30 zone, because that's the most troublesome zone for most people. They launch a product, because most of the time with the product launches, where it all goes wrong is when they run out of money to spend on advertising. Yeah. And PBC costs are getting higher. Does that make sense? Totally. So point of differentiation, go local if you can, find pain points that no one wants to deal with. The more painful it is, the more likely you're going to get success with it as long as it's got search volume. Yeah, yeah I think that's the reason, you know, people who were on the trip with me to India, they really liked the products that they saw over there because they were very different from anything that they'd seen before. They're more handcrafted, more high-end kind of products, uh, more premium, but at the same time, they're not crafty, you know, they're not like arts and crafts, but they're handcrafted and scalable there are large factories that are doing those products and there are a lot of eco-friendly products that are also coming out of uh, india that i think are, are quite popular so yeah okay great danny thank you so much for your time pleasure and it's been lovely talking to you you too so yeah. if you need anything just give me a shout so thank you for your time sure and then how can people find you or just subscribe to your podcast yeah go to itunes and uh, go to seller sessions or drop me an email to danny at sellersessions.com that be it? Okay, awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bye. Cheers.